0: Welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'll be your co-host tonight,
1: Jamar Nelson. I'm your other co-host, A.K. Kamara.
0: I almost said my whole name.
1: You almost said your whole name? I
0: almost, you know, I'm used to, you know, at work, I'm used to saying that, so, you know, I, I'm just Jamar.
1: You're just Jamar, that's just right. Jamar, just, Jamar. just Jamar. How you well, doing, man? Man, I can't, I can't call it. What you up to? You know, I had a birthday.
0: You know what? You did, and then mine's next Tuesday. So, you know, we'll be off air. But by the time we
1: come back, I'll be a year older. So kind of when when we have our shows, there's actually four of us that are debating and arguing. True. Because we're both Gemini's. True. Right? No <laughs> doubt about it. And I am a real Gemini. Yeah, no, it was it was great, man. Uh, family, my wife's family is in town. I shouted out my niece last week. She got a kick out of it. And then on my birthday, a lot of years... It falls on the same weekend as Good Neighbor Days. So up in Good Hugo. Good what? Good Neighbor Days. So up in Hugo, which is an amazing community. I don't live there anymore. I live in Forest Lake now, which I think is also going to be an amazing community. Football we have things. kind of like a local town festival. And I'm part of the Lions Club. Yeah. You know what? Yeah.
0: Because you know, they, need, they need a local Negro to be a part of the show that they have. You, know, you want to know
1: what's crazy, though, yeah. about that? <laughs> is that there's a guy named Chef Hot Hands. Uh-huh. And he's a brother. Okay. And he, man, he had his whole family out there. He was making uh, ribs. Oh. And he was, it it, it was good. His ribs weren't my ribs, though. Uh, They were good, bro. They weren't my ribs. They were good, and they had all this different stuff. But So I always volunteer for that, and like every other year, it falls on my birthday. So I spent my day volunteering my time, giving to my community. On your birthday. And then running something called... The Mouse Game, which we won't talk about, but it's a very awesome game. So that was my that was my birthday weekend, man. I'm 38. Well, happy belated,
0: you you, know. And so, you know, I mean, God is good, you know. You had 38 years, and uh, you know all that you've been through and seen. You're here.
1: I'm here, man. I'm 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 kicking my sciatic. Still acting out once in a while. That's that old age kicking in. Yeah, exactly. Which he tried to blame it on my car when we were
0: traveling together, he tried...
1: Th- I think your car exacerbated... or No, Absolutely. kicked it off or whatever no, it was, no. man.
0: I drive a luxury vehicle. It did not. It's going <laughs> to... You know, the it gives you the... Cur- it has the curves to c- caress the body. It's so
1: low, man, compared to my car, man. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure if you already haven't hit that like button, hit that share button, please do. We have a great show lined up. If you haven't had a chance we ask that you please visit our link tree. Because if you like what we do, if you like how we further political discourse, even though we disagree on a lot of things, please visit our link tree. By going to our link tree, it's gonna get you connected with all of our socials, our TikTok, our YouTube, our Instagram. But most importantly, there's a button that says Patreon. And what that allows you to do is become a contributor to this show. If you like what we do, please consider becoming a contributor. 100% of your contribution goes to actually produce this show. And so if there's something that you like, please share that Patreon link with your friends and your family. When you're done doing that, what I want you to do is visit this amazing store that's also a sponsor. If you need some milk, Mm -hmm. you need some postage, Mm -hmm. need some money orders, need some money orders. Where are you going to go? The Webermart.
0: The what? The Webermart. Why should people go to the Webermart? You should go to the Webermart because it's the best one-stop shop on the north side. In the city, but on the north side especially. Listen, you can, as you just said, you got so many amenities you can go and get. You can get uh, posters there. You can uh, uh, pick up packages, have packages delivered, you, and all of the conveniences that you want there. And a grocery store, eggs, bread, uh, meat, things of that nature, mm-hmm. cigarettes, things of that nature, you can buy there too. He has a tobacco shop.
1: All right, Where's that the again? Car- the Webermart. The webinar. We also want to announce a new sponsor, brand new sponsor. We Indeed. just picked up, and it's it's really amazing. You've seen him before on one of our shows. He was an attorney general candidate. His name is Dennis Smith, and he's actually going to be sponsoring the show. He has a law office. He supports our mission to actually bring back civility and have meaningful conversations while having political discourse. Now, if you are yourself looking for a will, you need some direction on a healthcare directive, a trust. He can help you with that and your small business. So please give Dennis a call at 612-889-3971 or send him an email at Dennis at Dennis Law dot La Again, that's Dennis at smithlawmn.com. I'll, I'll get it right next time. Give Dennis a call. He's our new sponsor, also a friend of the show. So please again patronize if you have any questions about those topics.
0: Especially if you're in legal trouble. Give him, he <laughs> Give him a dollar, and he can help you. Give him a dollar, he can help you, man. You know what, bro? Uh, uh, thank you to our new sponsor and uh, and sponsors of the show, and then thank you, thank you guys for hanging in there with us every single week. You guys come back, you know, when we're not here, you guys miss us like we miss you, and so we want to appreciate you guys uh, uh, for hanging in there with us. And then let's remember that you know we remember in July we'll dedicate a show just to you guys. So we can have fan feedback and things of that nature. So that'll be coming up soon too. Uh, but. Of course, this is a political show, so we've got political discourse. And the way we keep political discourse alive is by supporting Black Republican, Black Democrat.
1: Absolutely. So today it came out that the officer that was involved in the Patrick Loyoya case in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that he got fired. Now, on the show, we actually never talked about it. We did not. We didn't talk about it. Um, For a refresher, about two months ago... Black man gets pulled over in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, He tussles with the police. He runs away. And he ended up getting shot and killed. And the video that came out kind of showed the beginning of the interaction. Body cam got knocked off. Um, The person that was in the car with him was filming. And basically, the actual end of the interaction where Patrick was killed was not on camera. So uh, you can still hear the audio. And so this is interesting that, you know, this is a case that we never really talked about. I watched the video and I keep coming back kind of to this, to the same point that I've mentioned to you before about not blaming the victim, but putting things in perspective that if someone would comply, it'd be different. But in this case, you had the DA and uh, I believe the Michigan attorney general along with uh the department of justice or not the department of justice but their their you know state police investigated and they came up with charges so that officer is charged with second degree murder and then today they announced that they they also fired him so yeah man uh, it's it's kind of a crazy story and and i think like a lot of other stories we have to wait to see what all comes out the actual evidence the state of mind things like that but uh he got shot in the back of the head.
0: Well, then that tells you everything. That tells you everything. And look, again, you know, uh, black folks are sick and tired of saying that these things happen, and then folks are poo-pooing the fact that they'll, or they say the word, which is so insulting, to say comply. You don't have to not be complying in order to get shot or harmed or assaulted by a police officer. That's just it. I have 13 stitches, a scarf from 13 stitches in my head from laying in on my couch at 4 in the morning getting assaulted by the Minneapolis police because they thought I was playing sleep at 4 in the morning. This happens all the time. Here's your evidence that you and some folks ask for when you talk about racism or uh, uh, this is it. This is your evidence of if even if the guy ran. In too many cases, brothers run or people run. You don't shoot them in the back. You have no, you can tase them if you want them to seriously stop, then you tase them. They'll fall instantly. But to shoot them in the back shows to me malice intent and a sure reckless disregard of the life of the of that person, of the victim. So,
1: you know, this this case, again, when you watch the video, um, when, I, when I talk about complying, I'm not saying in this case this man lost his life, his family is forever changed. I don't ever want to see someone die. I just, I don't. But I understand that there are certain cases in which use of that type of force is justified, lethal force. In this case... But even when an
0: officer... But here's the thing, though, AK. Officers initiate contact. They initiate being strong-armed. Broadway, 173 pounds. Um... Sure, I think I can fight a little, uh, but most officers that are your size or bigger, or just an officer, always think that they can intimidate you. So they give you the, the 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 mouth, the disrespect of not treating you like a citizen. Doesn't matter your color all the time; just not treating you as a citizen, the, a taxpaying citizen, or whether you're not. Yeah, they initiate things, bro. So it's so that's what I'm saying to you. And you've been a, you've been a part of uh, police uh, injustice of being harassed. And what were you doing? Probably nothing. And even if you're committing a crime, does that mean you go above and beyond to apprehend me, to disrespect? We, we talk about no-knock no, no knock warrants. Yeah, It's kind of the same thing, bro. This is why I understand people last year wanted to rid themselves of a police department. We can't do it. But I understand why. This is the reason why. Because black and brown people have been saying for years, since the 60s and 70s, b- beyond that, but especially over the last 70 years, we've been saying that officers kill without, without regard, bro. And so even if uh, uh, Leoya, Patrick, uh, initiated contact and,
1: and was uh, fighting this officer, did he deserve to die? So here, the, here's the part, I I was 100%, and, and again, these details will come out, but I was 100% on board with how the stop began, right? He approaches him, tells him to give the ID, the dude's like kind of skittish, you see he's going to probably take off. He takes off, cop catches him, they start tussling on the ground the officer discharges his taser and Loyola is not stopping because like he... So wait a minute, I'm like, sorry. You're saying that this... Di- you're so saying that he did or you're saying this... He did. He he, he discharged his taser twice. So like all of that, I, w- I was like, okay, he's going to get him. The part that is still hard for me to wrap my mind around the way that it ended and how Patrick died is that the cop was on his back. On Leola's back. On Leola's back. Yes. Right? And the cop says that he took his taser and that's when he pulled his weapon he shot him in the back head. That's just... It's hard for me to understand that, like, you're, you have him, you're on his back, and you've discharged your taser twice, and I think most of these tasers only carry two. And again, I don't know, maybe this is a special new taser that has, like, 50 charges. I don't know. But you're on his back and when you're fighting someone if you have back control you have you almost they, won the fight the news came out that his blood alcohol was three times the legal limit uh lay yeah so i mean so it's just again i, I want to see what it says because you know me i'm a guy that says i want the justice system to work i want to hear the evidence as it's presented but i just i can't understand that it reminds me of a case in my hometown um, it's, uh, I didn't know the young man, um, but it's a cousin of my godson actually, and officer got involved in an altercation and s- same thing. He basically shot this young man in the back of the head. Now the officer was cleared, um, and, and everything, but his name is, uh, Danny Solway. And again, it's just, it's hard for me to imagine, like, at what point you have someone on the ground and then you have to shoot them in the back of the head if they don't, you know... Again, I want to see what happens, but in this I, case, like, I will say... I don't I, ever I just, see don't. how an officer could shoot someone in the back. Yeah, I just don't. Well, point blank, uh, man. It was like, yes,
0: Or like, blank, I don't remember the, the other victim's name. A couple of years ago, remember when the the neighbor caught the officer shooting the guy that was running away from him in the back several times, yeah, right? Yeah. And, or like the, I, I keep forgetting these victims' names because there's been so many of them. The young man in Chicago, when Rahm Emanuel was, uh, was mayor, how they lied about that young man and how the video showed that they shot this guy several times when he did nothing, right? Well, he did have a a, a, a knife, but he was, they said he lunged at them and so on and so forth. When we, sh- when the video clearly showed that he was having a mental episode, and and, and that's what I'm saying, Ak. Uh, um, that's why I hope that every police department does incorporate some type of um, uh, uh what are they calling them now? Um, uh, mental advocates or something. Sure. Because we do know that uh, black and brown people suffer. Everyone does, but especially prevalency in our neighborhood, uh, in our in our community of, of bipolarism and other different underlying diseases, right?
1: And I think it's also not it's not it's more stigmatized. Whereas, Absolutely. Like, in, in, in like again, I, I you know I don't like play the race card, but in in non-black communities. Um, mental health is more openly accepted in Black communities. No, we don't. Th- there still is a stigma. Uh, absolutely, it's you don't want to go see there. a psychiatrist. You, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. No so doubt about I, so that. So I, I do think that that having that as as an addendum, I think I, I'll be interested to see what ends up happening. Because Minneapolis, his ass should one. go to jail. I'm glad they charged him. He's a
0: criminal. He um, perpetrated murder. Um, on uh, uh, Patrick and as, uh, as Charles said too um, that the police really have no obligation to protect the public and sometimes they absolutely act as if they do not and I think that uh, uh, these type of crimes uh, uh, aka further perpetuate the notion of wanting to rid police departments in, 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 in certain cities um, I think that Again, we're going to have another referendum come up like this again. I mean, I think these things are here to stay, and not only here in other police departments. And we're going to have some police department in the state, in the, in, in our, in the U.S., some state that is going to rear itself of a police department because of these actions right here. It's sad. Crime is increasing, mm-hmm. so we have to have police presence and police there, but we don't need all rogue officers that treat us and have a d- reckless disregard. And I keep using it because that's the exact word that they have. That's exactly what they do. They have a reckless disregard for our lives. And those officers can't be on our police department.
1: I, I will say, again, I believe in our justice system. And I do you're not. innocent until proven guilty. Well, he is proven guilty. And so until he's proven guilty, I, yeah, I, I, again, I want to see what his... Rationale was for why he felt that he he could use lethal force when he already discharges t- taser. But we do have a great guest up for today, and, and that's why we brought him here to talk about the different crimes that are going on across the
0: the state and the city. And then the man, the, the reason I really brought this guy, guy on is because he's the quintessential reason of the the notion of get out and vote, right? Yeah, yeah. He lost his last race literally by one vote Yeah, right. And so folks have got to get your butts out of your seats And into those polling booths to support folks like Hollis Winston And whoever you're voting for because literally your vote does count So welcome to the show tonight, Um, candidate for uh, mayor of Brooklyn Park Hollis Winston, how are you Hollis? Good, good, thank you, Uh, thanks for having me Absolutely bro, it's our pleasure It's our pleasure bro It's nice to meet you Hollis man yeah, good to meet you. Hollis, man, we were t- as I just had mentioned, uh, you lost the race. Uh was it last year already? Two years ago? Last year. Yeah, it was last year. Last year already. Special election. Wow. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Thank you. It was a special election because uh the commissioner or uh, the former mayor is now commissioner, right? Or something. Um right. you literally lost by one vote. One vote. Um, how the hell did that make you feel, bro?
2: I mean, of course, it, you know, makes you feel awful, but I would say, um, you know, special elections are a little bit different than regular elections, right, especially in the suburbs. So normally 28,000 people vote, Um, only 7,000 voted in this election, and it didn't really represent what we normally see. Uh, The turnout didn't represent what we would normally see in a regular election. And the demographics were very different, right? So I would say they were um, much more conservative and they were concentrated in a specific area within Brooklyn Park, which we know that can't be replicated in a general election. So in some ways, it was a really tough loss uh, because we worked really hard at that. And another, um, we've made up a lot of ground from from folks who have run in the past kind of under the same banner I've I've run under. And it also, you know, there's a silver lining. I think when you win by one or two or three votes, you kind of say, well, I'm gonna replicate this. And what we saw is, you know, we've been having conversations with people in Hudson Place and other folks in um, uh, the Southern part of Brooklyn Park that are dealing with some specific issues, and we probably would not have had the capacity to do that. So I think it was an opportunity to talk to, to the, those folks, help them mobilize and kind of step away um, and let them kind of Advocate for themselves But it, there's a civil lining In that we found Some things that Really needed to be addressed
0: One of our uh, guests uh, Posed a question earlier And it's funny That you bring that up Because they wanted to know You know What's your plan for uh, As as folks call it The HPs out there Right Because I mean When we talk about Crime increasing This has always been A troublesome type of uh, Apartment unit And uh, lots of police calls Lots of activities To go on there So if you are elected you know, this is probably one of your problem-prone areas. What do you do about that? Because people, you know, in fact, I I just seen an article about people complaining about um, uh, bugs and things of that nature that aren't, that are going on there. So how do we fix that, you know, as the mayor?
2: Well, I think, you know, know, progressives have the saying, we all do better when when we all do better. I think... We all feel safer when we all feel safe. Correct. And so, when you look at, when you look at Huntington Place, and you look at some of the issues they're dealing with—the crime and safety, and just the general, generally bad conditions of living—they they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to live with the lack of safety. So, I think you you need to kind of start exploring, you know, different models. Um, and you also need to be very transparent about the issue. So, the city of Brooklyn Park has has said they're going to, you know, they made five million dollars available. To the owners of Huntington Place, um, and then the county is going to give another three million. Damn, for what? What they, if you, well, if you look at what they're dealing with, it's actually a thirty to forty million dollar problem and the uh, issue, and it's not necessarily the people; it's management and it's accountability at, at, at all levels. But if you just do some basic math, I'm not going to go too too far down that road. But if you say. There's six buildings. So 3,000 people live in that in in Huntington Place. Okay. Okay. 865 units, six buildings. So if you say a million dollars to get rid of the mold, people are getting sick from the mold. A million dollars to get rid of the pests. Another million dollars to move people out while you deal with some of those issues. And you can kind of do it in a tiered approach, right? Um, Then you have to deal with some of the security issues. You got to redo the drywall, the painting. Another million, um, probably dealing with the replacing the plumbing because there's there's... There's basically water leaking from people's ceilings, right? Mm-hmm. And then mice are falling down from that, you know. Oh. So it's five or six million dollars per building, right? So six times six, 36 million. Then you got the security issue. So the reality is they they have to kind of be honest. That means the people managing Huntington Place and the city has to be my, my um, honest and say, this is not a this is not a seven or eight or nine million dollar issue. Um, and until we get around this. Right, it's going to continue to just come back and come back. And so, if you're talking about working with the governor or the state senator, the state house, that is an investment that if you're going to have a bonding bill for 30 or 40 million or 20 million, it makes sense for something like that because if you look at how much it's costing people in terms of safety, lives, education, but even if you're just a homeowner out there and you say, well, homes in Brooklyn Park, the value rises by 10, per, by 2 percent a year. In some of the surrounding um, suburbs is twice that, right? Or at minimum three or 4%. Because we have a certain brand that our current administration and past administration just couldn't couldn't deal with and weren't willing to deal with, it's costing people who own homes out there. And so if you say most Americans' equity or or value comes from their homes, right, you have to deal with this issue. So I, I outlined the issue. Just to make it clear what we're dealing with, I think in terms of dealing it to answer your question directly. You know, they have security there, but the security really checks people when they come in and then they get deployed whenever there's an issue. But they're not in the buildings. Right. Mm, That's a problem. You have to have a security. Uh, Absolutely. Security that is comfortable, that that looks like the folks that live there. They were the issues they're dealing with. And that walks the buildings because people are coming out to homeless people sleeping in the halls and all sorts of issues. So you have to have a security that not only is up front, but that's walking throughout and that's actively connecting people to certain resources. Right. Yes. So, I mean, that would be that would be my deal. And then what the residents will tell you is we know there's crime here. We know that people come from other apartment complexes here um, and they start issues um, and they stay overnight. We know that people come from outside the city and they cause issues. And then we know we got people that are kind of that have issues here. No one is holding accountable. There's no one here to deal with it. So they know that and they don't want to live with that. So I think if you addressed it, and that's just one aspect, that security aspect, I think if you addressed it seriously, you would cut crime in half, right? And then you would have Brooklyn Park actually be a model in terms of how to deal with these issues. But as long as you talk around it, You try to sweep it under the rug, or you don't deal with
1: it. It's just going to continue to fester, and and the residents know that better than anybody else. So Hollis, I wanted to ask you. You know, obviously, when you ran during that special, you had a specific reason. After after seeing the person that won, and having some time, not a lot of time, right? Because I I think the special was in like uh, December or something or August. I will never forget August. you know, because you're running again, do you feel that really nothing has changed in the ways that matter to you? And then secondly, like what what are your issues? Like, why are you running? Like, what do you what do you want to be able to provide to the city that you feel is not being provided?
2: So I would say um, yeah, the 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 issues that I was concerned about, right? This this public safety issue that we kind of saw festering up, and I think a lot of the residents um, they saw it festering up. There's been no real response to it, right? So we may get a, a grant for a couple million dollars and give it to someone who says they're going to help push down crime, but we don't really invest in um, creative models to to push down crime. Um, and that, that helps us change this vision of Brooklyn Park so that we can have other investment here. I think at base, the reason I run is, um, you know, my story isn't that different from a lot of uh, African Americans and that you know my family came from down south Mississippi and Arkansas they saw lynchings they went to Chicago and and made good in Chicago and then they moved to Minnesota to to for even more opportunity and they were able to pass that on to me and I think when I look at Brooklyn Park and the opportunities that we could have for everybody we're not really capitalizing on it so that's the thing that moved me to get involved in politics um I think that the issues that are driving me this election are, uh, public safety. So coming up with this model that really gets ahead of it, that gets people the resources they need, that does fully fund the police, but also provides this extra security element for some of the apartments in the, in the areas that we're dealing with. And, and when I say extra security, I mean people who are trained in de-escalation, um, people who are trained in tactics, people who know how to communicate with the police. To work with the police, you know, so that's a, that's a very important aspect because I just feel like unlike maybe other surrounding cities or, or cities that are close by, we have a uh, opportunity in Brooklyn Park to really to really get that right and to help uh, future generations. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is, you know, I I uh, consultant work with small businesses, advocate on behalf of small businesses, and I think there's an opportunity to to start a ecosystem of uh, businesses out here that really create wealth throughout the community. Um, and when I say community, I mean, you know, Brooklyn Park is extremely diverse and that diversity includes everything from, you know, Liberian community, Kenyan community, Hmong community to to white folks, right? Who have been here a few hundred years. So I think um, I think it can unlock wealth and a quality of living in Brooklyn Park that's needed um, because our property taxes disproportionately fall on homeowners because we don't have a strong enough um, we don't have enough businesses out here, given our size and, and the rate at which we're growing. So for me, um, I think those two issues that that uh, public safety, getting around that, and then getting enough businesses to to start driving down those property taxes are are two of the bigger issues that we're we're really dealing with. And then there's transportation and some some other important issues, but I think those are the ones that we really have to get our arms around. So is
0: is is. Um... Is crime and poverty an issue out
2: in BP? Because I
0: remember, I've lived here long enough to remember when, uh, in the early 90s, Brooklyn Park was all posh and I lived over south, and my mama didn't gonna go, you went, where are you driving away out there? Remember how far <laughs> Brooklyn Park was, right? And you kind of were unwanted out there. You knew not to, you know, and especially now at night, you don't drive through BP either. But anyway, um, so how do we change that better for black and brown folks? Or folks that are, because again, the home ownership is not high out there for black and brown folks how do we change that narrative to make more homeowners black and brown folks and then try to drive down because obviously if crime decreases property taxes or excuse me property uh uh, uh, values increase so how do we do that i mean and it's a small city so of course a lot of the onus is going to fall on you when it's you know a lot more people that have to do it but
2: the onus will fall on you I think that the economics of it come before the, the home ownership, right? Um, and, you know, I was talking to someone who, um, an African-American who works in the, in the home mortgage um, arena, uh, they deal with the finance. And so they're seeing these disparities at a, at a level that, um, you know, in a close-up level, right? And I think part of it is, you know, yes, we have to create more um, black immigrant, people of color own businesses, because that's, that's one way to get wealth to people, but not necessarily everyone is um, going to want to start a business. But I think it's going to take the whole community. So kind of saying, hey, look, we have this diversity in Brooklyn Park. How do we find ways to, to use that, working with folks who traditionally been in Brooklyn Park to create business models that bring people from other suburbs, right? Uh, And then folks who want to come from Minneapolis and have a bite to eat. How do we how do we create that so that we create more, um, you know, newer businesses here right and I think we've never as a city kind of comprehensively said let's come up with a, a way that creates an ecosystem to do that we've kind of piecemealed it right but if you look at like a Maple Grove, you look at Brooklyn Center, even right, the Brooklyn Center is is struggling with some issues. But if you look at Brooklyn Center, one thing they have done is they said, OK, we have these opportunities to redo this and get this right. How do we sit down and do this so that at a high level, all, you know, all ships are rising? So I think that's the first thing is saying, how do we how do we find something that creates um, the sum is greater than the parts? Um, and that's not necessarily easy, but we at least have to start tackling it, I think. And I think the the second aspect of it is, you know, you're right. We do deal with poverty. And when you look at Huntington Place and you look at some of the youth there, um, they don't feel connected. Their parents don't feel connected to the city. And so Correct. When, you have, Correct. when you have, you know, companies here, like there's a Tesla here and, you know, Target has um, kind of their headquarters, kind of their IT headquarters here, right? It, it depends on how you look at it, right? But you have Fortune 500s here. You have these larger companies and there's no connection. We've given them. You know, TIF financing and tax breaks, right? And and there's no connection really between them. And you know, hey, can we can you set up some internships? Can you get some kids some scholarships? Maybe even to North Hennepin, and give them some of the skill sets so that when they leave, they can at least be on track to work for you. So I think tapping into that is is going to be huge because you have to get people to check. You got to get them the wealth first. And then they get the house, right? Otherwise, you put them in a situation where it's hard for them to maintain that house. So, for me, it's 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 uh, it's one of the big reasons I ran because my my family has had has dealt with both all sides of that. So on my on my grandfather's side, he owned he was a meat cutter by day and then he had a tavern, and he died when my dad was twelve. But because he did well enough, my dad was able to go to some some good schools, and then my dad went to the corporate level and and became a lawyer for. NSP kind of dating myself mm. an NSP, which is Yeah, you know, yeah. You, know, yeah. So, you are yeah. dating yourself <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So he, he ended up going over there, but the reality is is both sides of that owning that business allowed someone to say, I'm gonna go corporate. And then him going corporate said, Okay, son, well, you can consider business, right? So we have to connect our communities to both sides of that. It can't be just you know, for African Americans or 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 PLC communities. We got to start uh, start businesses and work our way out of it. Do businesses. There's got to be, you, you've got to connect people to these very wealthy networks in Minnesota, which is what makes Minnesota really special, right? You go to you go to other states and you say, how many Fortune 500s do you have per capita? Well, we've got more probably than almost any other state out there. No doubt about it. And, so, and, you control for population. And I was just about to say, I'm
0: sorry, AK, I was just about to say too, is, is you're absolutely right, is that the average the average start time for a business, the length is zero to three years. So um, we you do right, you're absolutely right. To say, okay, we're going to start a business, fine, but then there has to be resources to help those businesses, you know, um, um, continue, uh, and, not, and not just folks patronizing them, but, you know, learning, um uh uh, uh, how to run a business right because I think that that's important and so just we, you know we have these great ideas of, uh, of getting businesses but we do sometimes need you know this county and the cities
2: to help us uh run them so being and I think go ahead oh sorry can I say one thing yeah absolutely and one of the issues, one of the issues that we look at so a lot of a lot of um business especially in the black community that say well look I, I don't have the capital to start it right mm-hmm. but a lot of business is also your network Right. So we have not always been privy to those networks. And we don't even know that if I start a business, it's going to be very difficult if I don't build a certain type of network. And that network is building relationships that yep. people trust. So yep. people say, you do this and you do well. And then they say, okay, well, I'm going to introduce you to 20 other people. Right. I'm, yep. Your name's going to, I'm going to keep your name in my mouth because you did a great job. So I think us breaking into the network can be difficult. So we have to kind of, help people break through and understand this is how you network, but also invite those networks to say, Hey, there's some growth opportunities over here. Yeah. Let's make sure you're aware of what's going on in these communities as well.
1: That's right. So I want, I wanted to ask you when it comes to the prime, uh, you know, every, every area is experiencing it an, an uptick of crime. And being that Minneapolis and Brooklyn park are right there. Are you being affected by People that are coming from Minneapolis, um, in some way, shape, or form, and kind of like the violence spreading out because you know I just I remember hearing a handful of stories, um, and I know sometimes people mix up Brooklyn Center and Brooklyn Park, right? Because yeah, they Brooklyn. In yeah. them. But, <laughs> but I know that. I know that Brooklyn Park has been kind of hit by by the crime. Uh, a lot of it that stems from really gang violence that spills over and, you know, gangs don't have boundaries to necessarily cities. It's, it's neighborhoods and, and people are are trans, you know, they're able to move around. So for you in your police department and in the way that the mayor set up, you know, what are some things that you would do to kind of try and handle and get your hands around the situation when it comes to people that are coming that don't even live in, in Brooklyn park?
2: Yeah, I I think it's, it's not always, I mean, if, you know, so you have people who are related, right? Um, and that's part of it. People go back and forth and and they hear about different opportunities to, to maybe take advantage or do different things, right? So I think stopping that is difficult until you deal with some of the, the, the ground issues or the base issues, right? So if you have in a place like Huntington Place, which they're asking for, they're saying, "Look, we want active security, walking through the halls, talking to people, getting people resources." Right? You begin to take away some of the reasons people might want to get involved in that, Right? Um, you give people opportunity, a different opportunity to move in a different direction. And the, and there's also this issue below 85th of there's not a lot for youth to do. So there's some youth programming.
0: Idle hands.
2: But, you know, Brooklyn Park had. Uh, issue with crime about ten or fifteen years ago, and I think right before um, the previous mayor got in, they made this huge investment in in just in in youth um, programming. Well, they've kind of fallen off of that. And of if course. you look at Zanewood which is below 85th, compared to the Rec Center off of 85th, right, it is seriously underfunded. Yes. So part of that is, you know, like you said, idle hands. So you have to provide more funding. And then those youth have something to do So when somebody else comes around. They're not interested. That's right. I don't want to be involved with that. Right. Plus, I've got other opportunities. Plus, um, you know, uh, my mother's gotten me involved some things because she's building her network out and my father's building his network out. So I think if you deal with it in Brooklyn Park, it becomes a less hospitable place for people that want to come and start issues, especially if you have an active force the police and the security working together with, with through different apartment complexes, right? They're going to say, well, I really don't want to go to Brooklyn Park. They know who lives here. They know what's going on. They know I'm there to start trouble. I don't want to deal with that anymore. So they're going to go elsewhere, right? So, so I think that to me would be the way to do it because we can control that investment, right? I can't con- necessarily control what you hear about in in minneapolis or brooklyn center or you know Robbinsdale or somewhere else
1: but i can control what we do in brooklyn park and i can make it less hospitable for that what have you guys been able to do when it comes to your law enforcement um you know because from from what i've kind of heard is that you guys don't have as many as many problems um and so you know is is that something a, a testament to to good policy that's been around or is there something that you would want to change within that current model? Well, I would say maybe two years ago, right? But
2: this year crime isn't like, is extremely high. And it's, a, it's, and, and some, some people are saying it's an all-time high in certain areas below 85th. Um, and so, you know, when you look at Brooklyn park, right, Brooklyn park is um in some ways it's, it's segregated. <laughs> so you know, below when you get below 85, there's a lot of apartments and 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 folks, you know, trying to work their way up and then you get above, you know, to like 109th and you've got five, $600,000 homes. So I think part of it is, you know, in some areas, because folks are doing so well, you're not going to necessarily see that crime. In other areas, people are struggling figuring it out. Um, and then you have this issue of some folks coming in. So I think, I, I don't think necessarily a great job has been done in terms of pushing it down with the current administration. Um, because we're seeing it at a record level, and I get that it's, it's, it's happening all over, but in Brooklyn Park, it's hitting record levels.
0: Yeah, mm. compared
2: to what we've seen in the past, and that's a direct result of not really understanding the problem and and, and not being capable of understanding the issue. Um, and then it's also a result of you haven't invested in youth. That's right. Enough. That's you right. Haven't put enough programs. And um, and I and I'll say this, uh the management company that owns Huntington Place is being put in a difficult situation. Now, I think they have to do a better job in terms of managing Huntington Place. They've got to learn how to engage the folks there a lot better. But when you have a, a city council that has lived with the problem longer than the management company that's there, because they've only had it two years. City council has had has eyes on this for a long time. And they know it's a 30 to $40 million problem. And they keep trying to sweep it under the rug because they're saying, if we keep it quiet maybe this won't hurt our reputation. You got to make the problem obvious and transparent so that you can get it fixed. Because there's people throughout the state, both parties that will say you got a little crime problem. Okay, well, if you're willing to work on it, we're willing to work with you on it, because nobody wants to deal with these public safety issues, right? I mean, nobody wants to have to to fear because public safety isn't isn't there, right? So I think a lot of it goes to the city council because they knew about this issue, but they've never been honest with the price tag. So people come in there and they say, this is a $30, $40 million problem. You're going to give me, uh, what, what was it, $8 million or $9 million? What's that going to do? I'm just going to, it's some window dressing. The reality is there's some deeper issues that the city council has to address. No doubt about it. There's
0: nothing, there's not much to do in Brooklyn Park. I mean, I lived out there, if we lived out there on uh, Brooklyn Boulevard right off of 76 in Hampshire in those nice townhouses. Uh, we lived out there for about five years. Um, there's nothing to do. And this was back in the, in the 90s, you know, into the 2000s. There's nothing out there to do. And so crime was not, High as it is now But again, idle hands You know you, You're you asking for trouble When there's Nothing for kids to do You know You need more than the Zane wood Like you said Which is almost a piece of crap I see they're doing Is that construction They're doing the Zane wood Or some building next to it I'm not sure That's the building next to it
2: and, and that that's the See, issue is,
0: um, that's crazy.
2: I haven't seen a lot with the building, and, and I, I could be wrong, but I haven't seen a lot with the building. With Huntington Place, which is right right, right
0: behind it, there, yeah.
2: They built a new, they built like a new fence, right? Ooh. Right? Yeah, to keep it away, exactly. You know, stop. I mean, that's, you're creating the projects though, right? And at some point, you know, that's why I say we all feel safer when we all feel safer. Because if you lock something in, right, and you say it's never going to get out, these people are never going to get out, Right. <laughs> those people were you. Yes, that's That's right. right? That's one community. So at some point you're going to start seeing these issues come out and the community is saying, Hey, look, we don't want to deal with this stuff either. Help us out, provide some leadership, right? Um, let's make this a village effort so that we can all get our hands around it. And, and I, and I promise you, if if that's dealt with, if some of those issues are dealt with, you're going to cut crime in half. We've got you for crime
0: in half for a long time. We've got you for about eight more minutes here. Let me ask you a question, because this kind of goes into what you were just saying. Now, the, when we looked at uh, uh, after the the killing of, um, uh, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Park young man, um, it's all becoming Brooklyn a blur. Center, Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn Center, Center I'm Dante sorry. Uh, what's his name? Dante, Dante Wright. Dante Wright. Dante after the killing of Dante Wright, the mayor had to get more power. Um, now. Obviously, some of us in our community looked as if that maybe if this guy weren't black, that he would have been given the power that a mayor should have, period. Two things you've said. Sounds like you're going to already have to go to battle with the city council about Huntington and other places because they're stuck in the notion of... See no evil, hear no evil. What? What are you talking about? So you're gonna to have to battle with them on that. So that means that's gonna make it to a pretentious a relationship with you and the city council. Hopefully not, but it sounds like they will because they're you know kind of stuck on their ass. Will you? Will it be the same with for you? Um, will the city council have to come in and give you power, or what? Real power will you have to do any of these things? Because again, bro, it looks to me like I mean, no, it's not Minneapolis. It's not huge like Minneapolis, but. Why did that mayor have to be given more power by the city council and will you have to be given more power by the city council? what real power will you
2: have I don't I don't necessarily think so I think you know as mayor like my vote because we have uh you know our our mayor system is weak mayor system so my vote is equal to the other six people on the city council however we do have city council races up as well so hopefully folks pick the right people and then we get people who understand that this is a very urgent issue. Um, it's one of our top issues, but I think two things. So I spoke to someone who's a candidate for our new police chief. So our old police chief is stepping down, and you know he had a he had a good approach in terms of saying, "Hey, um, we've really got to build trust with the community. We've got to begin to understand these the community's issues at a granular level, so that we can avoid some of what we're seeing in other cities." Um, so I think if you have a police chief that is is speaking that and then actually lives that out that will go a long way in terms of providing a lot of the support that Huntington Place and other folks need. Right. And that the city is really looking for in terms of um, um, leadership. So I would think that. And then I would think that the the, the, the the mayor helps make the agenda. Um, and then the mayor is kind of the voice of the city. Right. And so when I'm going to doors and I'm talking to people and people are increasingly saying, um, you know, I'm not really satisfied with the leadership. I wish you had won. Um, and this crime thing is really scaring them because they're saying, I, I'm tired of my city being seen this way. Plus, it's pre- affecting the value of my house, right? So we need to address these issues. And they're willing to get out there and be more and more vocal. And you'll see that from a lot of residents in Brooklyn Park. They're going to start getting more vocal about this stuff. And it's not because I put them up to it. They're just, they're sick of it, right? So so I think if you have residents that are involved, I don't necessarily have to go the the, the route of, of mere... Elliot, in terms of getting more power, because I think other city councilors will say, well, city councilors will say, you know, we hear what the community is saying. It's it's clearly an issue. Let's deal with it head on and come up with a coalition that can address this. I think a lot of what what has happened in Brooklyn Park is, you know, leadership matters. And we just, we haven't had leadership that has been able to deal with these issues because we saw these issues coming eight, 10 years ago, right? So we knew this was coming. There was people that, uh, some of us talking about this four or five years ago saying, yeah, crime is down now. It's gonna jump back up because you've cut the fund. You're not doing the same funding with youth and you've got these issues that are festering. So I think it's a leadership thing. And I don't think we have to go out there and require all that extra power. I think we can build a coalition.
0: So, okay, one more question here for you, bro. Being black, being a black man, and, and Brooklyn Park is increasingly, you know, browning, you know. Um, so being black, you know, I think you're going to win this go- this time. I think the third time is a damn charm, right? Um, being black, does that give you a better perspective on how to handle the crime in that area? Because, again, as as a black man, I do, I would think that, you know, with the crime, I'm going to say, okay, here's a black man. So seriously, Hollis, will that or does that
2: give you a better perspective on how to handle crime because you're black? I think it gives me, yeah, it gives me a a different perspective. I think it's in some ways more well rounded because I, I don't I don't have the same some folks. I'm not gonna say all oh, have a preconceived notion of, of of where crime is coming from, yeah. how our community feels about crime, how we wish to deal with crime. I think Minneapolis made it clear the black community kind of helped lead that effort, saying, "Hey." We don't want to disband the police. Yeah, because it's happening in our communities. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's happening in our community, right? I mean, yeah. I remember talking to my mother saying, I hope, I hope they don't do it. <laughs> you know, so so and she yeah. lives in Arizona. Oh, really? So and my father said the same thing. I don't know what's going on out there, but I hope they don't do it. You know, I said, Well, mm. I'm a Brooklyn park. So, but but you know, the reality is is that I think people have a mis... uh uh um an incorrect notion about how we feel about this. They have a incorrect notion about yes. how I feel about it. And right? yes. I've always said, fully fund, make it functional. Yes. Make make it so that it works with the community, so that people know. First name basis, and the kids know them on a first name basis in a positive fashion. Do you believe
0: that's, in reform? Would you, you have to get? Would to. you push for reform in your police department?
2: I would say. You always want as much transparency as possible, and I think you you wanna you wanna have it so that as more people come on board, it be it reflects the diversity um, within the community. And I think if this if if the top candidate right um, follows through on that vision of saying we have to build a rapport and that has to be transparent, then I think that's where your reform is going to come. Right. right. I think I think if you push for that, that's what's going to work. Where right.
1: Yeah, I, I liked a lot of what you've said. I think that you you come from a very uh, pragmatic and, and level-headed headed mindset. I think what you touched on makes sense. When I, I try and break this down to people, if you don't live in an area that experiences higher rates of crime, you have a misperception about what crime is and how often and where, like what percentage. So I always like to give this stat out to people that in the city of Minneapolis, when you look at. What percentage of the population are actually committing crimes? And I'm not talking about just violent crime. I'm saying all crimes that are beyond like a a speeding violation. It's only about 2.5% of the population that commits 100% of the crime. And it's no different no matter what community you go into. Now, the percentages might be a little bit less. It might only be a half percent if you go to, let's say, Woodbury or Maple Grove. Um, but it's still the vast majority of people aren't committing crimes. Y- you could grow up your whole life and never, ever commit a crime. And there could just be crime all around you because it's, it's a very small percentage of people that are doing a lot of the crime. So I think that you bring this very interesting perspective because I think you understand that that when you talk about these issues with policing, it's not like you need to have police kicking down every door. It is about building relationships. It's about understanding that these communities, they want to be able to be like everybody else. Like, if you live in America, you want to do American things. You want to be able to protect your family. You want to be able to earn. You want to be able to experience Great. the greatness of life. And you can't do that when you're... Being victimized by crime all the time. So I appreciate you for coming on the show, Hollis, and and we'd love to have they you back them. on the show another time for sure. And tell us before you go, Hollis, where can people find you to donate,
0: to help, and do anything in this campaign? Because November is going to be here pretty damn quick. So let's, uh, how can they help you?
2: Um, but first I want people to know I did agree with The Republicans So <laughs> I am bipartisan On something But they can, they can hit me up.
0: <laughs> He crossed the aisle On the show <laughs> Damn it
2: That's a man Hollis, That's a man there HollisWinston.org um, So H-O-L-L-I-E-S-W-I-N-S-T-O-N.org Is where they can go They can find information uh, Folks can volunteer They can donate All of that information Is there
0: I can't wait for you To win man I'm supporting you in, And look Seriously Anything that you uh, need me to do, if it's run this big old mouth of mine or do anything, door knock for you. You know, I got a bad knee, so I can only spend like an hour or two hour door knocking. But hey, I can I could come up with any type of spiel just like that. So I'll do anything to help we, you, bro. We got
2: phones, we got the phone banks, man. But you know, people will cuss you out on the phone quicker than at the door. But see, I've been
0: doing. <laughs> listen, Paul Wellstone When I started phone banking back in 2002, Paul Wellstone had he was he taught his own um, canvassing class and phone banking class. I swear to goodness, he did. This yeah, was a great dude a, So I, I've, I've got the knack then I've got the knack So man Thank you so much Good luck And thank please you. come back Before the election I appreciate it I'm honored Thank, thank you thank bro so much. Have a thank great you. evening You too Man he actually See and he did agree with you No but But you're right That's you know We need level headed guys Like that to come into office You know And so you know me I'm not some uber Progressive democrat You know I'm a I'm a democrat As I told you today Actually I don't know I think maybe I should announce On this show that You know I've decided That you know I'm not a DFLer, you know. Really? No, I'm not a DFL. I, I do not like what the party here does. Um, they don't have the best interests of uh black and brown people, white poor people. Um, they're only beholden to them mm-hmm. themselves. Um I've I've seen too many um countless efforts of them trying to keep the party for themselves um and build their wealth, you know, and, and of all colors, right? And so the party does not represent uh, me anymore. The party doesn't represent a lot of people that I know. The things that they are do, I E John, I have no no shame in that being a glaring example of one of the reasons why I am not a DFL anymore of how you treat someone um and of color, right? I think that you should have been mindful of that too. And then not only that, not only that, but to treat them differently than anybody else that has not ever been treated that way as a democrat or republican is disgusting to me and I could go into detail about um, some of the leadership of Democrats, but I won't. It's disgusting, and so I'm denouncing that I am not a DFL. I'm a strong Democrat. I will forever be a Democrat. I am not associated with the Minnesota DFL.
1: Well, that's that's uh, that's interesting, man. You know, it's funny because we've we've never, just even on the show, we've never really had an in-depth conversation about how you know you feel your, your role is with the DFL, because here's the thing I've noticed about a lot of Democrats in Minnesota. It's like, like you said, like you more or less follow the national Democrat, but there's a lot of folks that I feel like the DFL party is, it's strange in Minnesota, man. Like the endorsement doesn't have as much power, um, especially compared to the Republican part, MNGOP. MNGOP, it's got the state locked down, but the DFL really doesn't. Like, I think the Democrats say, oh, "Okay, I'm going to come out for this or whatever it might be," and that's always been so interesting to me because there is that dynamic. You know, like you are a proud Joe Biden supporter, mm-hmm. you're a proud Obama supporter, but you know, like. Just watching the show. Look at the DFLers that come on our show. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> There's not a uh, lot, of them. Th- and, and it's always been kind of wild to me. But I think I think it's important for whatever someone's political ideology is that they stand by what their principles are they push back on the things that that they don't like and you don't have to compromise what your values are and I, I think that's what the show's really always been about is what we stand by what we believe and we have these these difficult conversations with that in mind again i want to shout out our new sponsor dennis smith law office, again, he supports our mission to bring back civility and have these type of conversations about these difficult political issues while still walking away, respecting each other as human beings and not seeing each other as evil. Now, if you have any issues with wanting to know more about having a will, having a healthcare directive, having a trust set up, if you're not sure, like, well, what is a trust? I myself know a lot about these end of life issues and it's important to make sure that you have everything together make sure to contact Dennis Smith. Reach out to him at 612-889-3971 or send him an email, dennis at smithlawmn.com. Again, dennis at smithlawmn.com. Give him a call. He'll be able to help you out. We're going to have Dennis on the show because uh, these are actually issues that have always been, uh, um, not always, but since I got involved in the insurance industry, which I'm not in anymore, but these end-of-life issues are important. Um, a lot of people have a lot of misperceptions about what happens when someone passes away, what is a will, what is a trust, and they will truly impact your life. You know, oh, People they talk about camp. going to court and having a fight with friends and family. Like a prince. Know, all, exactly, yeah. prince. Exactly. Prince, yeah. exactly. And people have a misperception. He so. didn't leave a will. Right. Well, he, he had a will, but it, it was weird. But he also didn't have a trust. If he would have had a trust, it would have been completely different. Yeah. So, again, I'm, not, I'm wow. not a lawyer, but please reach out to Dennis. And, again, we'll have him on the show. So please reach out to him. He's a new sponsor. And if you're feeling thirsty, you need some postage, please check out the Webber Mart. The Webber Mart. The Webber Mart. The Webber Mart. Ladies and gentlemen, again,
0: thanks. Great sponsors, the Webber Mart and uh, the Dennis Law Firm. And uh, thank you. For being a great co-host And thank Hollis Winston On his third run For uh, uh, Brooklyn Park Mayor Again I hope the third time is a charm I absolutely am willing to do everything for you Hollis to make sure that you win bro And thank you guys for every Wednesday Giving us an hour or more of your time or and then you know what I love too? It's how we used to worry how there would be you know three, four, five, six people watching at the time of the show, you know, yeah. live. But when you go back, what we love to is to go back later on tonight and see that three, four, five, six, seven hundred people have all of a sudden
1: um watch show. Watched the show. Oh, so let, me, so let me let me also add this as well. Our show started a lot later than usual. And yes, that's because time. we have changed our start time. That's right. Um, to be eight thirty Central, nine thirty Eastern, so CP time. Make make sure that uh, you spread the news. We're gonna we're gonna kind of put out some stuff out there because I know a lot of people tune in right at yeah. eight and and everything like that. And again, if if you like the political discourse that we have, make sure to hit up our link tree. Consider becoming a subscriber to our Patreon to continue the show that we do. You could even sit in that chair over there. you become a, a big enough sponsor. You can sit
0: right there in that, show, or that chair right there and argue Join with me or argue with this guy about uh, um, whatever topic. So help us keep political discourse alive by donating to the show. Contributions help that. And it helps these folks that are on the camera and the greatest producers that we have. It helps them. So help us help them. Yeah, man. We got some good shows lined up for the future. We got a great rest of the month and then July's going to be like
1: fireworks! Oh, because we got Juneteenth and then we got Fourth of July. I mean, two great months. And then my birthday. And our birthdays. Yeah, it's a great, great time. Of course, June is great. I'm I'm, AK Kamara. I'm Jamar.
0: (laughs) We did that. You know, sink, jinx. (laughs) See y'all next
2: week. Take care. See, our relation
0: to N, B, C.